I'm excited this morning. We are in uh, part five of our series called Direction. Uh, those of you who have been coming for the last several weeks know that we've basically been applying uh, the, the, the theme or the premise of the series is that God gives us direction in our life. He wants to get us from where we are to where he wants us to be. And a lot of times when we take our own direction, we end up on a detour. Anybody ever been on a detour in your life? Uh, and that God actually has clarity in his direction and his direction will lead us not only to his destination, but to our destiny. Uh, and so it takes us where we need to go. And so we've been um, applying his word to our life in all these different areas of our life. And this week I was talking to Pastor Mark uh, about the series and we were talking about the will of God, uh, how to find the will of God and discover the will of God for our life. Uh, and so I asked Pastor Mark if he would uh, bring the word today. He's got some great insight on this topic. Uh, he is going to be our campus pastor down in the Shaw neighborhood. Uh, yeah. And uh, he's our associate pastor. He's a man of God. He's my brother in Christ and one of my favorite preachers, Pastor Mark Seagrace. Would you welcome him today? In the first uh, service, he clarified that as his favorite, one of his favorite preachers, I was in the top 100, was it? So <laughs> not really, not really up there uh, near, quite near the top. Good to see everybody today. Would you just look at somebody pretty right next to you and just tell them they look good? Would you just do that? Just tell them they look good. Some of you are not looking either direction. I'm wondering why that is. <laughs> Amen. God is good. Um, Pastor Brent last week just did it. Really the last several weeks talking about some tough subjects, finances, single life, and all of that. Just incredible word. And uh, I did want to just pick up a little bit on what he was talking about last week for singles. I felt like it was very, very good, but may have missed out on giving you one of the most practical things that you could have as a single person uh, in the church. And that are some really effective uh, Christian pickup lines. Um, so I'm just going to share with you some of those really quickly. Just put them in your arsenal. You can use them, pull them out if you need to. <clears throat> so here's the first one. Write this down. Uh, is it is it hot in here? Or, or is that just the Holy Spirit burning in you? Come on, somebody. Or, or, uh, baby, I was reading my Bible the other day, and I was just wondering if you knew what Paul meant when he said, greet one another with a holy kiss. Yeah, yeah, I like that one. Now, those of you that get into the Old Testament, you might like this one better. This is, you know, something from the Song of Solomon. shows that you're a real biblical scholar. Say, so, hey, baby, your hair is like a, like a flock of goats descending from Mount Gilead. That's Bible right there. That is Bible. And this, this is one of my favorites, too. Like, so I was reading the, the book of Numbers the other day, and I realized I don't have yours. I have a few. I have a few specifically for arrogant guys. Um, so this is just just for you. If you feel like you're a little arrogant, sometimes this is for you. Uh, here's one. Uh, hey, baby, I put the stud in Bible study. <laughs> I like that one. <clears throat> or maybe this one. Hi, I'm Will. God's will. <laughs> I know a little new test. This is my last one right here. Got a little New Testament, Jesus, cross, the temple veil, all that. You know what the temple veil and I have in common, baby? We're both ripped. I have no idea what that was right there. Was like, I think I pulled something. All right, what I really want to talk about today 
is what to do when you don't know what to do. Talking about the will of God in your life, and I'm going to go as quickly as I can. Um, I'll start with one of the greatest men in the Bible, one, one of the greatest men in history by the name of Abraham. Uh, Abraham came from a background where uh, his family were idolaters. They, they worshiped idols, and so they were used to that kind of environment, a lot of man-made images that did not speak or, or think or talk or hear. Uh, Abraham comes into contact with a God who is totally different. Can't see him, but you can hear his voice. And God speaks to him out of thin air and calls him to do something incredible. And what makes Abraham such an incredible man of faith is that he responded by believing. Uh, Hebrews uh, 11 and verse 8 actually describes this. And it says, Abraham trusted God. And when God told him to leave home and go far away to another land that he promised him, it says, Abraham obeyed. And away he went, not even knowing where he was going. That's a very, very important line in terms of what we're talking about today. Because I think that one of the most common denominators for great people of God is the willingness to live with the tension that sometimes we don't see the end of the journey. But we go anyway. Let me give you another one. This is, this is a, a dramatic uh, encounter with God as well, but it's in the New Testament. A man by the name of Saul, who would become known more as Paul later on. Saul was a, a mighty man of God in terms of the Old Testament. He was, a, he was a, a believer in Judaism. He was a defender of the faith. He was a, you know, he, I mean, he was zealous of the tradition of his fathers, the Bible says, so much so that when this new thing came along called Christianity and faith in Jesus, that he resisted and he became basically a religious terrorist. And he went around uh, putting people in prison, uh, executing them. <coughs> oh, pardon me. But he was actually on his way uh, to Damascus for another one of his missions trips to persecute Christians uh, when he had a God encounter. And the Bible says that when God showed up there and spoke to him out of the heavens, that he fell to the ground and his, his life was radically changed. And this is what it says in the book of Acts chapter uh, 9. It says, then he fell to the ground and he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? Now that's interesting because Paul is a Jew and as a Jew, he is not allowed to call anybody Lord except God. So he's under the impression that whoever he's talking to, this is supernatural. He's not just hearing voices. God is talking to him. And so he responds. Uh, he says, who are you, Lord? And the Lord says, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. By the way, that's very interesting because that means when you mistreat God's children, you're actually mistreating God. Not a, not a great idea. <laughs> so I love this, though. Here, here he is. He's literally face to face with God. And God says, look, I, I'm the one that you're persecuting. It's hard for you to kick against these goads or the conviction that's in your heart about what you're doing. And Paul's response is he's trembling. He's astonished. And he says, Lord, what do you want me to do? When you have a face-to-face -face encounter with God, when you start a relationship with God, it is a very natural response for you to say, God, what is your will for my life? What do you want me to do? And I want you to notice what God does for Paul in this context, Acts chapter 9. The Lord says to him, arise and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. 
So basically God says to Paul, look, I'm going to, I'm going to give you an immediate instruction. This is my will for your life. I want you to arise and go into the city, but there's more to my will than just that. But I'm not going to reveal all of my will to you in one fell swoop, not in one moment for you. I'm going to tell you more about it later on. So trust me. Do what I'm asking you to do and more will be revealed later. This is a principle that we need to become aware of in our own lives that God's will for my life is never revealed in its entirety. He gives me a little bit and then I, I, I move on. You know, it's funny that we're really comfortable with the idea of following a GPS system, even though the GPS system does not tell you every instruction for getting to the end of your journey at one time. Can you imagine what that would sound like? If you said, I want to go there from here, and all of a sudden your GPS said, please turn left. I mean, turn right. I mean, go 18 feet and then merge to the right. No, turn left. It, it would be just a cacophony of noise and you'd know nowhere to go. You don't know where you're at, where you're going, right? God says, I'm not going to do that to you. I'm not going to give you everything in one moment. I'm going to give you your next step. Follow me in faith, and then I will show you the rest of my will then. So Paul obeys this voice and he's, he actually needs help because when he uh, fell to the ground and when he came face to face with God in this manner, he actually was blinded. And so he is led, he is taken to Damascus and finds a place of residence and there he waits, no sight in his eyes, he immediately begins fasting, no food, no water, and he's just waiting for the will of God. We're going to leave him waiting there until later. Really, nothing more important in your life than knowing and doing God's will. So important that Jesus said, I want you to pray for this to happen. Your kingdom come and your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. So important is the will of God in our lives that it puts us in a special relationship with God. Pastor Brent, actually I read from Mark chapter 3, said your, uh, your mother and your brothers are outside looking for you. And Jesus replies and says, who is my mother and who are my brothers? And he looks around him and he says, look, these are my, my mother and brothers. And anyone who does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. Something about following the will of, of God for your life puts you in a special relationship relationship with God and sets you up for what I will call success. I realize there's a million definitions for success in the world today, but let me just give you an alternative. Success is knowing the will of God and being right in the center of it. And he really does want us to know his will. He's not playing games with us. But sometimes we can get so frustrated trying to figure it out and we start trying everything we can. How many of you have ever tried some, you know, religious scriptural, you know, formulas to try to figure out what God's will is for your life, right? One, one formula that we often use is we, we try a ritualistic prayer over the same thing a million times. You really, really want to marry that guy. And so you pray about it 9,000 times waiting on an audible voice to actually speak his name right into the air. And you start looking for audible voices, like you leave your radio on just a little bit, like maybe I'll hear it. <laughs> you start seeing his name right in the middle of a billboard, even though it's just part of a word. Or maybe you try the Bible reading formula. This is my favorite. The Bible reading formula. That's where you take a real Bible, not your digital Bible. Take your real Bible and you just open it up to a random page and point. God, show me her name. And you look down and see the name Abishag. <laughs> That God, where am I going to find an Abishag? Really? So he tried again. Hepzibah. Really? 
You could find a Hepzibah. I mean, there may be a Hepzibah out there. I've seen, I've seen a Hepzibah in a movie before. Abishag, not so much love. Or maybe you get into the fasting formula. Those of you that are really spiritual, you get into the fasting formula. Like, I'm gonna, I am going to fast until God shows me the right person for my life. You might be fasting for a long time. But I will guarantee you that you fast long enough, you will get visions. <laughs> this may not be what you're expecting. <laughs> oh my God, what is that? Please, God, don't let that be the one. <clears throat> God's not trying to hide his will from you. You really don't have to live in the dark. In fact, Ephesians 5 and verse 17 says, therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. In other words, it really can be understood. But I want to give you a principle that might help while you're in that season of trying to figure it out. And that is this, write this down. If I will do what God has revealed, I can trust him with what seems concealed. If I will do what God has revealed, I can trust him with what seems concealed. So I just want to share with you a few things that are the revealed will of God, not an exhaustive list, but things that you can find in the scripture that specifically say, this is God's will for my life. Because we need to do what's revealed and trust him with what seems to be concealed. The first thing is this, it is God's will for me to repent. 2 Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise. He's not slow in fulfilling the promise that He gave to us, as some men think about it, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. In other words, it's God's will that everybody come back into relationship with Him. That's really what repentance means. It means turning away from self and turning towards our Savior to resign as the God of the universe and let God actually be God. And the result of turning to him, the result of repentance, is forgiveness and restored relationship with God. That is God's will for everyone, that we would be restored to relationship with him. And what that tells me about God's will, and think about that as I talk about the rest of these, is that God's will always results in what's best for me. Let me give you another one. It is God's will for me to experience deliverance. Galatians 1 and verse 4 says of Jesus, he gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil age according to the will of God and our Father. It's God's will that you experience deliverance, not just forgiveness, but freedom. Every semester we do freedom life groups. And those groups focus on the idea that, you know what, it's possible for us to be in relationship with God and yet not experience full freedom. We talk about Israel, how they could be in slavery for 400 years. And what, what an incredible thing. They're in slavery in Egypt 400 years and God brings them out. But if you know anything about the human nature, you know it is possible for us to come out of Egypt but not get Egypt out of us. And God says, I don't want to just forgive you. I don't want to just restore a relationship with you. I want to deliver you and set you free from every habit and every hang up and everything that would keep you from fully experiencing my will in your life. So let me get even more specific. It is God's will. This is another one you can write down for me to avoid sexual sin. Now, I know Pastor Brent spoke about this a little bit, so I'm not going to go real deep here. But 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 3 says, For remember what we taught you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. God's will for you is to be holy, so stay away from all sexual sin. My dad, who is a, quite the Greek scholar, would tell you that the Greek word for all here literally means all. That deep. That's powerful. 
In other words, stay away from everything that is sexual sin, from pornography and a fantasy life all the way to sex outside of marriage. This has got to be an area in our life that we say, just like in all the other areas, God, not my will, but your will be done. i got to keep going. I told Pastor Brent, I said, this is, this is a tough one. This, is, this one's difficult for me, especially in certain environments. But this is another one. It's God's will for me to be under authority. I don't have any problem being under authority to Pastor Brent because he's awesome. He's a nice guy. He actually cares about people, right? But what if you get in a situation where you're under the authority of someone that's not? Think about this. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 13 through 15. For the Lord's sake, submit to all human authority. Whether the king is head of state or the officials he has appointed, for the king has sent them to punish those who do wrong and to honor those who do right. It is God's will that your honorable lives should silence those ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you. There's something about living an honorable life and honoring those who are in authority that literally shuts the mouth of the enemy and unleashes an authority in our life. And the truth is, this is just a, a true principle, that we cannot have authority if we are not under authority. But what really blows my mind about this, and I don't even know where I'm at with this. I'm, I'm still struggling with this myself, and maybe you can kind of talk to God about it in your own life. But 1 Peter 2.17, this is not in your notes, but just a couple of verses after this. Peter says, show proper respect to everyone, love the family of believers, fear God, honor the emperor. I'm like... I'm thinking about Peter's day, the, the, the era that he lived in, and the, the time of the Roman Empire. Do a little historical research, and Peter is writing these words under the reign of Nero. But it doesn't matter whether it was Nero or another one of the Roman emperors. They were all living outside of biblical values. They were actually... You know, not just persecuting people, but they were out conquering lands, taking people prisoner, putting people into slavery, and persecuting people groups, including the Christians. And, and yet, here is Peter making a statement like, fear God, honor the emperor. Nero, are you kidding me? You can pray about that one. I'm, I'm still praying about that one. Let me give you another one. It is God's will for me to be thankful. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. The, the will of God is for me to have the right attitude and a thankful heart. Wow, I spend a lot of time outside the will of God in this area right here. Because so much of my thankfulness is based on circumstances. But he says, no, in everything. He's not saying be thankful for everything. He's saying there's something about the follower of Jesus that you can be thankful in the middle of the darkest moments of your life. Think about this for just a moment. Jesus is on the cross. This might sound strange to say it this way, but there he is, agonizing pain. And yet he is right in the middle of the will of God for his life. And the Bible says that he endured the cross by seeing the joy that was set before him. He was not just in the moment saying, man, I'm so thankful for these nails. And I'm so thankful for the pain of this cross. So, that's not what he's doing. He's got his eyes set on something in the future that says, you know what? Even though right now is difficult, I know that God's got something for me on the other side. I can still be thankful and grateful. I got to give you one more and I'm hurrying. It is God's will for me to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 5, 17 and 18, therefore do not be foolish. Some translations say ignorant or unknowing, but understand what the Lord's will is. You want to know what God's will is? Here it is. Do not be drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. In other words, don't live your life under the influence of that Spirit, little s. Live under the influence of this Spirit, B. 
big S. Be filled with the Spirit. Remember, if I will do what has been revealed, I can trust him with what seems concealed. And I'm ending with this. Gary, you can go ahead and come up and help me. When I don't know what to do, there's still something I can do. I'm going to give you a couple simple ones. And then we'll talk about a couple of hard ones. Even when I don't know what to do, there's still something I can do. And the first thing is I can seek counsel. Proverbs 11:14 says, where there is no counsel, the people fail. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. I want to encourage you. If you're going through something in your life, don't just, don't just isolate. Don't just hold it in. Many of you are in line groups. I, I saw there was over 420, there's like 420 people that have used our online thing. And I realize there's people that are going to groups that aren't in there. And I mean, there's people connected. You have people in your life, in this church family that love you. Go to them. Go to your life group leader. If you're not in a life group, find somebody in the church that you trust. But, but don't live your life without counsel. Some of the biggest mistakes of my life have been made without counsel. But here's something else I can do. I can seek counsel, but I can also pray. The Bible says this in Philippians 4. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. And then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. I want to encourage you to pray pray to pray and because we want to see the will of God happening for everybody in our church family we're creating as many opportunities as we have as we can to see everyone praying you might see that hashtag once in a while hashtag everyone pray because we want to see the will of God done in your life so I want to encourage you to jump in in any way that you can. We've got a, if you go on our website, you'll find the Echo Prayer app. Pastor Brent mentioned that, where you can actually pray for needs that are submitted to our church. We've got Saturday morning prayer at the Shaw Campus every Saturday at 9 o'clock with live worship and prayer. You can do that. We've got life groups that meet about prayer. Dolores has one that meets on Tuesday mornings at really early, like 6.30, right? 6.15. And they, they have an incredible time on Tuesday mornings. We have a prayer, uh, another prayer group that meets. When was the other one I was thinking about? Oh, Andy. Uh, she has her life group on Saturday mornings right after prayer. 21 days of prayer. We do that a couple of times a year now. Prayer during our services. You can get on the prayer team. We believe in prayer. Because prayer changes things and prayer changes us. Don't just sit there wondering what the will of God is. Actually pray about it. But now i got to give you two that are tough and then I'm letting you go. What do I do? There's something I can do when I don't know what to do. And here's one of the things you can do is you can wait. This, this is not as fun. Isaiah 40, verse 31 says, those who trust in, one translation says, those who wait on the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. I realize it might seem like a miserable posture to wait, but there is a reason why he uses the illustration of an eagle here. In fact, Psalm 103, verse 5 says, he fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like the eagles. It's interesting about an eagle. They go through the, this molting process where their, the, their feathers are replaced. And you might think, well, you know, that must be like a, just an annual thing, you know, where they go up to their nest and all their feathers fall off and they're just kind of cold and shivering there while their feathers grow back. That's not how it happens. It's designed in such a way so that feathers that need to drop off, drop off, and feathers that need to grow in, start growing in. And the, the, the process of this change is constantly happening, but it's happening in such a way that the eagle never loses its ability to fly. And I feel like that what God is doing here, this is so incredible, that in our life, when we're wanting the will of God to happen, 
It's not like we're in the dead zone. Something is happening. God is doing something in your life. There are some things that are falling off of you. And there are some things that are being put into you. And so when that season of waiting is over and he brings about it at the right time, in the right moment, you're going to be ready. It's okay sometimes to wait. Let me give you one more. This is the toughest of all. This is the one I struggle with. Worship team knows. And that is when I don't know what to do, sometimes I can let go. Sometimes I have to let go. 1 John 2.17 says, And the world is passing away with all its desires, but the person who does the will of God remains forever. Sometimes I find myself holding on to things that are temporary. They're not going to last. They're not really important. But God, I want it this way. This is how I thought it was supposed to look. And so I, I'm going to hold on to that. And I'm just going to make it happen. Do you know, I'll give you one more thought about an eagle. Eagles have been known they have an incredible ability to see. They can actually see a rabbit from a thousand feet up in the air. They can see a rabbit in a three-mile grid. That's amazing eyesight. But they can also look into water, and they can see fish swimming below the water, even though the fish are dark on the top and, and, and really are designed not to be seen from above. They can spot that fish, and if you've ever seen videos, man, they will swoop down, and their talons will grab that fish. And you know, a lot of the, vid a lot of the videos you see, you know, that eagle takes off, and that fish goes with it. But every once in a while, an eagle will actually grab the wrong fish—too big, too much weight. And what happens is that eagle's talons grab a hold of that fish, and he refuses to let go. I'm not doing it. I'm not letting go of this. It's mine. So as a result, it ends up in the water. The eagle was not designed to be in the water. It can't be in water too long, or it actually will lose the ability to fly because its feathers get waterlogged. And so that eagle has two choices if that happens. It's possible if he's close enough to the land that he can actually tow that fish to land. But in some cases, if he grabs that fish too far out in that body of water, he doesn't have the strength left to tow it all the way to land. Because he refuses to let go of that fish, he will literally drown rather than let go. I feel like somebody in this house today, maybe that's the way you've been feeling. You feel like you're under the weight of something. It's pulling you down. You know it's not good. You know it's not healthy. You know it's not God's best for your life. And you're just having a hard time. And God is saying, look, my will for you in this case is just let go. Take you back to a, to a house in Damascus where this newly converted Paul is sitting there and he's blind and he's hungry and he's thirsty and he's waiting. He's already done what God told him to do, but he's sitting there waiting for the next word. God, what are you going to speak to me now? He doesn't know. He's just sitting there waiting, hungry, blind. He doesn't realize that across town a conversation is happening. God is speaking to a man by the name of Ananias, and he's saying, Ananias, I want you to go talk to Paul, and I want you to give him direction for his life. Here's what I want you to say to him. And Ananias is like, there's no way I'm going to go talk to Paul. He was a terrorist. He's been known to kill Christians. Find somebody else. God says, no, you're the man. And this is what I want you to tell him. Remember, Paul's over there sitting in the darkness, has no clue what God's best for his life is. God says to Ananias, go, this man is my chosen instrument 
Think about this. To proclaim my name to the Gentile world, to their kings, and to the people of Israel. God says, Ananias, I've got a purpose and a plan for his life. He doesn't even know what that purpose and that plan is yet. He's just sitting over there waiting. But this is what I want to do. I have shaped him. I have called him. I have directed his steps. And he is going to change the world. And I'm talking to somebody in this house today. You have been waiting. You've taken the step and you're following God. But you don't know what the next step is for you in his will. And I want to tell somebody today that he's got a purpose and a plan for your life. And you don't even realize the conversation that's happening over here behind the scenes. That's saying, you know what? This is the job that I've got lined up for you. This is the industry that you're going to change. This is the mission field that you're going to impact. You haven't even received that word yet. And yet that word is on the way. And yes, I can tell you some things to do while you're waiting. There's awesome things to do. You can, you can go to next steps. You can go get a, be a part of this church family. You can join a life group. You can jump on the dream team. You can, while you're waiting for the specifics, you can still be making a difference. But I've got a feeling there's people in this house today that basically what you're waiting on is that word of what does God want to do with my life? And I am telling you that conversation is already happening. And you're getting ready to find out. Stand to your feet. I want to pray for you today. Thank you for bearing with the time. Close your eyes if you would. Father, today in the mighty name of Jesus, what we confess most of all is that we want your will to be done in our life. And we pray today your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray the words of Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane, not my will, but your will be done. I pray, Father, for people that are sitting in the holding pattern right now and they're waiting. They believe in you. They trust you. They've taken that step. But now they're asking, what's next? I don't know what to do. God, I pray you'd help them to find the right counsel, the right voice in their life. I pray that, that their hearts would be turned to you in trust, that they would take it to you in prayer, that they would worry about nothing but pray about everything. But I pray specifically, God, for people in this place that are waiting. God, they're waiting. That in that season of waiting, they would see that some things are being taken off of them. And some things are being added to their life in preparation for this incredible plan that you have for them. And I pray right now in the mighty name of Jesus for every person that is holding desperately onto something that is not your best for their life. That you would let them release their grip on it right now in the mighty name of Jesus. We say, God, we're not going to hold on anymore to things of this world. But we are going to hold on to your purpose and your plan for our life in the mighty name of Jesus. And I pray that this next season for this family, God, for this church family, I pray that this next season would be one where we see over and over again in the lives of people, people stepping into your will and your plan and your purpose for their life. And I believe it's going to happen in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody that believes that, would you just say amen? Do you receive that today? God bless you guys. I love you. Have an awesome Sunday. We'll see you next week at One Family Church. God bless you in Jesus' name.